last two weeks, I sensed in my heart that there was a stirring about running a race and with endurance keeping our eyes and our focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. And when I preached last week's sermon, never in my wildest dreams did I think how applicable and how relevant it would be to us as a church. Because that's the things that I do. First, when I start studying anything that the Lord gives me, I make it applicable to myself. And I think maybe there's value to the remainder of the community. And then I share it with you, as do many other preachers. But I never thought that um, it would be so relevant. And it just goes to show the unity within the eldership and the leadership of this church it's almost like they saw my notes before the time because every single scripture that was given this morning as an encouragement right here, that for me is very significant. You know, the precious Holy Spirit weaves a golden thread through the body of believers, and I believe that to be true for the church globally, but I also believe it to be true for this church here, the Woodlands Bible Church. Let me encourage you. This church will be known as a church that loves God. This church will be known as a church that loves to worship God in spirit and in truth. This church will be known as a church that keeps the account short and that love one another. This is what we do as the Woodlands Bible Church. You see, when we pour out our love to God, and when we love one another unconditionally and we serve God together in this body, He bestows a blessing. The Word speaks about where there's unity. The Lord commands His blessing. This morning, I'm sensing a blessing of peace that is resting over this community. And that is purely because of the comfort of the Holy Spirit this morning. So just two minutes. I'm going to review what we spoke about last week. Philippians 3, 13, 14. Thank you, Don Giordano, for stealing my, uh, my notes this morning. It is, it is absolutely true. So when I spoke about it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. We spoke last week, we spoke about don't be a prisoner of your past failures. Don't be a prisoner of your past hurts. Don't be a prisoner of your past victories. All the things that has happened to you has only been an accumulation of what you had gone through in preparation for what God is doing in your life and through your life. But don't become a prisoner of those things. Don't become a prisoner of the things that happened without you even having any control over it, the past disasters, things that you didn't even see coming. Don't become a prisoner and elevate those things higher than the prominence and the kingship and the lordship of Jesus Christ in your life. When you do that, you make him the author and the finisher, the cornerstone of what you believe. Do not do that. And then we spoke about today we live in hope. Christ Jesus, our only hope. Therein lies our peace. We know how the story unfolds. We know how the story ends. Jesus Christ is our hope. 
His sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins. His body that was given for us. The spotless lamb. He is our strength, especially when we get invigorated by the joy of the Holy Spirit that He gives us because of what we know our outcome to be. The joy of the Lord is my strength. He is, uh, therefore, also the way that we can see the way forward. Psalm 119 speaks about the illumination. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Thy word, what? Thy word, what? God's word. He has given us a love letter to guide us, to encourage us. Guys, before we start to speak to anybody about God, get into the word. Let the word transform you from the inside out. It's focus. Luke 9.62 says, No one who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Why? Because God is forever doing things. He's forever shaping things. He's moving things forward. I don't know about you. I don't want to get stuck in the past. I want to be with God. I want to get stuck with God. I want to encourage you this morning. Whatever we have gone through, that will not define this church. However, when I spoke to Scott numerous times this week, we were speaking about the foundation of a love for God's Word like never before that has been laid in this church. I want to encourage you, memorize the Scripture. In the last five and a half years that I've worked with Pastor Mark very closely, we spoke four or five times a day on the phone. And you know what he always said to me? I give God the glory because I cannot do this. That's a beautiful attitude. But more than that, he said to me, David, what are you memorizing? What scripture are you getting into your heart? I want to encourage you. That is a great, strong legacy for God's word. But here is what we are dealing with this morning. I want to just encourage you as we are going through a time of hardship, through a time of suffering, we are going to encounter suffering. We are going to encounter something that is so hurtful and so profoundly earth-shaking in our lives that we just don't know how to handle it. Today I want to give you four things, four observations that I have read in the Bible. How do we go through suffering? How do we face this? I want to give you a reminder. The first reminder, God is good. God is good. And the Word speaks about the goodness of God. We don't have time to even go there. But the second thing is, God is with me. He will never leave me nor will He ever forsake me. So God is good. God is with me. Then God is for me. And when God is for me, who can be against me? The Scripture says. So I want you to remind, to remind you also that not only is God good, He's not only with me, He's not only for me, but God loves me. He loves you with an everlasting love. He loves you so much that if He takes you to it, He will also give you the strength and endurance to take you through it. This time, we don't ask, why has this happened? We are asking God, what do you want to do? Where do you want to take me? Where do you want to take this church? 
Number one, the Bible speaks about perseverance in the midst of suffering. And I'd like to read from James 1, verses 2 to 5. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Therefore, let perseverance finish its work in you so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Perseverance, when things get tough, we obviously don't have the choice of what happens to us, but we've got the choice of how we do respond. In this case, we respond by making Jesus Christ the sole focus of what we are in pursuit of. That often tests our faith, and we think, oh my word, how could this be? How can I trust God? How can I have faith in God when this takes place? But the testing of that faith, as you step forward, produces perseverance in each of us. It's almost like it's a little bit of training step by step. And now the Apostle Paul, last week we spoke about this is a race that must be run. We are running, it's almost like it's not um, seen as a long marathon, which it is, but it's almost like short sprints. And you, you get to a point, catch your breath. Another sprint, can you see it's like short sprint marathons. And as we overcome these obstacles that test our faith, perseverance and spiritual fitness takes over. I want you to remember in as much difficult and sorrow you might be this morning that the word of the Lord says in Lamentations 3 verse 22 and 23 that my mercies are new every morning. The Lord's mercies for us is new every morning. This week I was speaking um, to, to someone, I've spoken to a lot of the elders, I can't remember if it was to the elder or but my point being, I went through a storm this week in the natural. How many of you guys have never experienced so much rain this year? It was a lot of rain. Okay, it's not the worst that we've had. But on Thursday morning, maybe it was Friday morning, the sun came out. And I walked outside of the house. And gone and forgotten was the storm and the rain from the last three days. I walked out and I was basking in the sun and immediately it dawned on me that is how it is when we run a spiritual race. We go through storms. These storms have got the winds, they've got the, the hail, it's got the snow and it's got devastation, it's got all these things that associate with a storm. But the Lord says, disregarding what you're facing, my mercies are new every morning. And when I walked out, that for me, in the revelation of the natural, I just experienced that peace, a peace that passes all understanding. He says in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9, he says that my grace is sufficient for you. Hold on to God. His grace is sufficient for us. Another reminder, you might sit here and you might be angry with everything that has happened. But I want to encourage you, in your anger, do not sin. 
In Ephesians 4 verse 26 to 27, it says that. It says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not give the devil a foothold. Why? We can control what we say. Say it again. You've got control over what you say. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. Take charge of your tongue. If you're going to say something, declare the praises and the truth of God in your life. If you're going to take and make use of this tongue, which is so powerful, speak God's word. Declare His promises. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you will not leave me as an orphan but that you've given me the Holy Spirit to walk beside me. Thank you that you will never leave me nor forsake me. Thank you that you are for me. And when you are for me, who can be against me? Thank you that with my God, I will storm a wall. Those are the promises that I hold on and that I choose to use my tongue for. Romans 12 verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy the mercy that we've spoken about, the mercy that is new every morning, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. What is he speaking? He's giving something that you want and offering that away. What you want to say might be the wrong thing to say, but what you want to say, offer that, your body, as a living sacrifice, remembering that you don't belong to yourself, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You've been bought with a price. You are God's. You don't belong to yourself anymore in this case. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. When we focus all of our attentions, all of our hurts, all of our anxieties, all of our fears, all of the questions, and we just focus that and we, we place it at the feet of Jesus and we say, Lord God, I don't understand these things, but help me persevere through these things. As I stand on your word, can you see where the perseverance comes in? The perseverance is not a, a turnkey solution. Now I've turned the key on this majestic V8 5.8 liter engine and it's running. Perseverance is daily getting up, daily making a decision to follow Jesus and not turning back. Perseverance. Does your faith get tested? Mine was severely tested this week. And I do believe we will go through stages where it's tested over and over and over again. Maybe not in this situation again, but in future, we will face things that causes us hurt, harm, and suffering. One thing I want to encourage you, do not let go of your pursuit of holiness in suffering. When all the chips are down and everything is stacked up against you, do not forsake your pursuit of holiness. Why? Because Jesus said, be holy for I am holy. 1 Peter 1 verse 15 to 16, I'm going to read out of the NIV. But just as he who called you, Jesus Christ, is holy, so be holy in all you do, in all you think, in all you say, in every single intention of your heart. Be holy. For it is written, Jesus speaking, be holy because I am holy. The Message Bible as a reference, I don't often do this, but in this case, I wanted to read the colloquial um, version of what Peterson says here. He says, so roll up your sleeves, get your head in the game. 
be totally ready to receive the gift that's coming when Jesus arrives. Speaking here about running the race with endurance, with perseverance, focusing our attention on Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. Don't lazily slip back into those old grooves of evil doing just what you feel like doing. You didn't know any better then. Now you do. You know better. As obedient children, let yourselves be pulled into a way of life shaped by God's life, a life energetic and blazing with holiness in the pursuit of God because Jesus said, I am holy. You too be holy. See, we, as a church, we can't control what happened to us, but we sure, as what I'm alive here, we have the choice of how we respond. How will you respond? Choose today. Personally, I respond with forgiveness. How can I expect God to forgive me if I don't forgive those around me? It's real. But this morning, I choose to respond in love. There's no law against the law of love. See, when we do that, we fulfill the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your strength, all your mind, all your soul. There's no law against that. And then, love your neighbor as you do love yourself. Pray for Pastor Mark. Pray for him daily, still, continually. That's the first thing, perseverance. Number two, patience in the midst of suffering. I want to read out of James 5, verse 7. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. It's more near now than it was 2,000 years when James wrote this. So how much time do you think we ultimately have if it was near then? I think we're at the cusp of seeing something great in this world. Most probably an awakening and a shaking of the, the true bride of Christ to a sense that we haven't seen before. Like I spoke last week, I want to be ready. I want to be one of those five that's always got my oil jar full, waiting in anticipation of Jesus coming back. Because Jesus is coming back. Are you going to be ready? I want to be ready. And I want to take as many with me as I possibly can. Why? Because I love you guys. I love you guys. But when we speak about this, he's got the, the opportunity of saying, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop. You know, our insignia, our emblem for the church, do you know what it is? It is a tree. And what is the tree planted on? No, not soil. In this case, in our emblem, it is planted on an open Bible. So I want to encourage you, this tree, this valuable crop, I want to assimilate that to a tree that is planted in God's Word. 
That is who the Woodlands Bible Church is. We're not your regular Bible church. I'll give it. Look at me. I've got a ponytail. But my point being, <laughs> I want to say this, that when we are truly planted in God's Word, John 15, Jesus says, He says, if you remain in me, and what? My Word remains in you. Then ask whatever you wish how do we ask in accordance with Matthew 6.33, according to kingdom principles? Ask whatever you wish, and what? God will forget about it. No, it shall be done. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing love for one another, and showing that you are truly my disciples. This church has got its foundation in the Word of God. Since I've joined here, I've always had a love for God's Word. My wife can testify to that. But since I've been here, I've always had the encouragement and the, just the drive to be able to get more of God's Word internalized in me so I can memorize it, I can chew upon it. God's Word that is alive and active, Hebrews 4.12, is alive and it's active. It's alive, which means it's growing. It's feeding us and it's active. It's got an active proponent to it that can inflict a change. We spoke about the, all of the things that God's Word has got for us. But here's the deal. If this is a tree which we believe we are, we are growing and we believe that we are planted on God's Word as a church, as a community, we will bear fruit. But in its season, I want to encourage you, can you go to an apple tree that is not in its own season, and you can beg it to deliver apples? Can you stand on your head and whistle through your toes, however impressive that is, can you make that tree bear fruit? Can you become angry with this tree? Can you fight with this tree and tell him and start to intimidate him to bear fruit? What can you do is you can nurture this tree, give him nutrients through what? God's Word, because it's planted in God's Word. And then what? Be patient. Be patient. So not only are we going to persevere through our suffering, but as a church, we will be patient to see what God is going to do and fulfill through this church. Why? Because we understand that's how God operates. James puts it so beautifully here. He says, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and the spring rains. I want to encourage you. This is not the end of this church. It's not the end. A reminder, God's timing is perfect. Never early, never late. It's always on time. God is sovereign. It's one of His attributes. And one of the attributes that gives me so much peace. God's purposes are perfect. God is building His church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Trust God with all of your heart. In Segway, guys, I'm running out of time, but I want you to go and read the words for be still my soul. I'm going to read one 
two phrases. I'm going to take time. Be still, my soul, the Lord is on thy side. Bear patiently the cross of grief or pain. Leave to thy God to order and provide. In every change, he faithful will remain. Be still, my soul, thy best, thy heavenly friend, through thorny ways leads to a joyful end. Perseverance, patience. Perseverance through the storm, through our suffering. Patience, be patient and trust God. Number three, praise in the midst of suffering. Praise is the last thing that you feel like when you're suffering, when you're hurting, when the chips are down. In your anger, in your hurt, in your disappointment, it's the last thing. Therefore, the Bible says in Psalm 116 verse 17, he says, I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and I will call on the name of the Lord. When we praise God, it is a step of faith to say, we praise you, God, regardless of what we are facing here. We take our eyes off our problems and we fix our eyes where it needs to be. Hebrews 13, verse 15. Through him then let us continually offer up sacrifices of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. So when praise leaves your lips, how do you praise God? You say, God, I know that you are sovereign. God, I trust you. God, I know that you're omnipotent. In a split second, you can bring forth a change. God, I know that you're omnipresent. You see it all and you know it all. Can you see that these things which really anchor us restores our attitudes Praise restores that. I know that this church, and I've said it so many times, this church is a church that loves God, and this is a church that loves people. Praise also brings strength. Praise brings strength, I say, because it invigorates you. You take your eyes off what's happening around you, and you focus it on Jesus Christ, the absolute finisher of our faith. We know how it ends. It then fills us with hope. It then fills us with joy. That joy becomes our strength because the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's the last thing that we feel like doing. But supernaturally, there's something that gets unlocked and God acts on our behalf. Just like in 2 Chronicles 20, when King Jehoshaphat, he was surrounded by the Moabites, the Ammonites, and they came against him. And the report came to him and said, a great crowd is coming. You please go and read it, and it will also be on a website. So I encourage you to go to read it. It's a beautiful story. And what does he do? Immediately humbles himself. He says, oh God, help us. That's his first thing. Then the word comes to uh, another uh, prophet, and um, this prophet Jehaziel, he, he speaks out. He's a Levite, so he's, he's, got, he's in tune with God. He's in tune with the Spirit of God, and he makes a declaration, and he says, praise God and see what God will do. David paraphrased right here. Praise God and see what God will do. And here's what happens. He sends the Levites out. Poor Levites. 
they had to go and praise God in the beginning of the, of, the, of the war. They either were terrible musicians and they thought, well, if they sing so terribly, the army must be absolutely horrid or so fierce. Or we can choose what the Word of God says, that God takes care of the supernatural and He confused them in the midst. As the Levites are praising God in front of the... Jehoshaphat sees and he looks at this whole thing and they start to take each other out. See, something very big happens when we choose to take our eyes off what happens to us and we declare God's faithfulness. I want to encourage you, in the midst of all of this, praise God in your suffering. Last, and then I'm landing this, this plane. Number four, peace in the midst of suffering. Peace in the midst of suffering. Romans 8 verse 28, I spoke about this into the new year. New Year's Eve sermon was regarding this, and I never thought it will be once again as relevant. I could just sense the Lord was preparing us for what was to come. And we know that in all things God works for the good for those who love Him and who are called according to His purposes. We know we love God. We know that we are planted as a tree. We are planted in the heart of the woodlands as a church to love God and to love people. So in the end, I do believe that God will make all of these things work together for the good for us as a church. Philippians 4 verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say it, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. The Lord is here. You know why? Because I hold on to the scripture that says, where two or more are gathered in His name. Church, did we gather this morning in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ? Hands up. Yes. So where two or more are gathered in His name. What? There He is in the midst of us. The Lord is near. He is an ever-present help in times of hardship. So this morning, as we move forward, we can't choose what happens to us. But my prayer is that we will persevere through the suffering. That we will be patient and not make any rash decisions. But that we'll be patient and wait on the Lord. Because those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Church, this week, I encourage you, wait on the Lord. When things seem to become too much, like a wave over you, praise yourself out of that situation. Declare the worth of God in that situation. Take key scriptures, speak it. Speak it back as a praise offering to the Lord. We bring a sacrifice of praise to the house of the Lord. And then, Philippians 4, 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but with prayer and supplication, make your request known to the Lord. And the peace that passes all understanding, regardless of what you're facing, will guard your hearts and it will guard your minds 
in Jesus Christ. Church, do not be anxious. God is sovereign. This didn't catch him by surprise. God loves you. God cares about you. We've got so much good that still needs to be done in this church and through this church. Therefore, do not be anxious about anything. What is your petition this morning? My petition this morning is, Lord Jesus, thank you that you heal us. Thank you that you unite us. Thank you that you give me the strength to persevere. Thank you that you help me be patient through all of this to see what you are truly doing. And then, Lord, I trust you. Proverbs 3 verse 3 says the following. It says, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Write it onto the tablets of your heart. Bind it around your necks. Then what will happen is you will win favor and a good name in the sight of man and in the sight of God. Period. And when that doesn't happen, what does he say you must do? He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. All the desires, all the dreams, all the hurts, everything that happens in the, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. But trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. Don't try and figure this out. God's ways are not our ways. Neither are his thoughts our thoughts. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, honor Him. Acknowledge Him. Bring your plans to Him. And He will direct your path. Proverbs 16, 9 says, For many are the plans in man's heart, but what? God directs our path. So church, be encouraged. This is not the end. This church has been planted. And this church, by the power of of the Holy Spirit and the diligent leadership of our elders will grow and will produce fruit. You'll see it. And I want to be a part of that. But I believe that you will see it. You'll see it. Selah. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray.